<laughs> I'm sorry. All right. I am Kate Cunningham. I use the pronouns she, her, hers, and today I am here with my mother. Hi, I'm Jennifer Cunningham, and I use the she series. Today we are going to be talking about relationships, grief, and friendships. I asked you all to send over some questions through a Google form that I sent out, and so we're going to be answering and giving some advice. Um, So my mom is a school counselor and has been for a very long time, so she has some great wisdom. She was always the go-to advice guru with me and my sister and all of our friends. Everyone came to her for every kind of advice. And so yeah, so we're going to be chatting it up today. So this is, again, my first podcast, so bear with me if we have any hiccups, but whatever happens, I'm very excited. All Me right. too. Woohoo. All right. So we are going to start with the topic of romantic relationships. So the first question I have is I've got to find it. All right. So our first question, Mom. Mm-hmm. How to know when an issue can be worked on and solved in a romantic relationship versus when it's time to move on from the relationship? i.e. issues that come up all the time and become an exhausting, painful pattern. So, oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) Well, you don't have to get that close to it, just like, yeah. So, if it has become a painful repeat problem in your relationship that you feel like is, you've exhausted trying to work on it then yes I would say that would warrant some consideration of the relationship not moving forward mm-hmm. um, but as somebody who's on this side of life <laughs> and wise it is you can't change people either mm-hmm. but what you can do is try to <clears throat> excuse me um, try to meet them in the middle right mm-hmm. so the problem may not disappear, but is it something that you can live with? Is it something that you can manage in your daily life? Mm-hmm. I also think that it's important to factor in if it's something that can be worked on and that they want to work on. Because I agree, I don't think that you can change people. And that's like such a hard mm-hmm. thing to think in the moment. But I also feel like if there's something that continues to come up but maybe gets a little bit better a little bit Mm -hmm. easier or like you see some progress or you can really see that the other person is um trying trying even Mm -hmm. if it still is nowhere near where you want you know you can see if they're trying and you can also see whether you feel heard with them I think that's a huge thing is if it's kind of just like you're speaking into the void and you don't feel heard with what you're talking about and they're not taking it seriously I think that's a whole other story compared to something that continues to come up and the other person like respects how you feel and understands that. Um, And it depends on what the issue is. If it involves any kind of emotional or physical abuse, that's a non-negotiable and you should definitely leave. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think this is, um, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that has to be addressed Mm -hmm. whether, you know, this is something that is that serious, but also... Yeah, I do think it's important to recognize the things that are traumatic and that affect you on the day-to-day and compared to something that, like, 
is just a flaw because I think that's something that I've had to realize is like I am never like nobody's ever going to be perfect and Mm -hmm. there's always going to be things in romantic relationships in like really good long-term friendships in family and there's always always going to be flaws that you're not compatible with because to find Mm -hmm. someone that you're entirely compatible with a I don't even know if I would consider that healthy Mm -hmm. but also just doesn't exist and so it's like you have to make sacrifices and I think figuring out what is a healthy approach to that is um right is beneficial yeah and is it good enough can you get Mm -hmm. to that point where you can handle it yeah and but I also think that you shouldn't put up with anything that you don't want to but also I don't know the hippie in me is like follow your heart like if you if it really doesn't feel right anymore obviously end it but I also think that if you really do see like a light at the end of the tunnel or like hope with that then like maybe stick with it a little bit longer because I think that at the end of the day like you know best you know Mm -hmm. I feel like that's always something that I refer back to is like trusting your gut and letting things happen because Mm -hmm. you know I do think things happen for a reason and that yeah 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 agreed all right so this is kind of the same-ish question, but um, I think there's other things that can be said about this. So this question is, how do you know when it's time to end a relationship or break up? I think if you are not feeling, <clears throat> um, if the relationship isn't bringing you happiness anymore, most mm-hmm. of the time. Relationships are hard. There's yeah. lots of hard work involved to keep it moving forward yeah. and keeping it healthy. But if it's not making you happy anymore or you're trying to avoid the person or you're not... <laughs> There's indeed a red flag. <laughs> That's a red flag that um, things are not worth working on. Mm-hmm. And it depends on... I'm assuming you're a young person who's asking this question. I mean, I and don't know. there's so much happiness out there and it shouldn't feel... Like, it's more work than it brings you joy. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I also think, like, again, listening to how you feel, if it keeps coming up in your head, if it's something you can't really get out of your head, I think that's a really good sign that even if it's hard, it should be done. Um, and then this is also something I've been thinking about a lot lately and that I know that I've expressed to my mom, but mm-hmm. just the growth in re- relationships because I think the whole point of being in a romantic relationship is being able to grow with someone because, you know, you can't go into a relationship and be like, I'm going to stay the same person because there's no way that you right. are going to remain the same after years. And also, mm-hmm. quite frankly, I don't, I wouldn't understand why you would want to do that, right. but you know, it's important that you can long-term grow with someone. And I think if you see a halt in that and don't really have hope that that's, that you can come out like a better person and feel like you've grown a lot, then that is also a sign because... Or you're growing in different directions. Yeah, I think that's also a huge thing mm -hmm. is if, yeah, if you do feel like you're growing a lot, but not in a way that works well together. Because I think that's Mm -hmm. really the whole... The whole limbo of relationships is mm-hmm. figuring out how to grow and how to grow 
in a way that's compatible with somebody where you can like teach each other stuff and learn from each other and be motivated. Right. Yeah. Um, on that note though, I also want to say that sometimes people, your partner may be trying to push you away too and make you feel unhappy and you have to trust that too. Like if you don't think your partner's in it and you're the one trying, mm-hmm. then it's time to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So for the next topic of questions, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about high school and high school friendships and how those kind of progress and how to get out of those. So the first question regarding that is, Realizing that you and your high school friends have grown out of each other but don't really know how to move on slash cut ties slash address it. So this is really interesting to me because I am old now <laughs> and I went to a boarding school where we were really, really close through boarding school and then went to college and got married and had kids and we kind of really lost contact with each other and we've recently come back mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to pick up 40 years later <laughs> from when we met and feel like we have no time went by, yeah. right? But you still, you saw them a few times in between there, or at I least saw some of them. some of them, but not okay, very okay. many of them. Okay, I okay. mean, we went to each other's weddings and things like mm-hmm. that, but that was, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. So you just, we just kind of went on with our lives, but then we've picked up. Oh, sorry, I'm moving We'll just make sure you're holding it. Okay. (laughs) So on that note, what I'm saying is these people may not be important to you right now, and you feel like you're going in very different paths, but you don't want to end relationships that potentially could really be meaningful to you later in life. So I'm not saying that you work hard to maintain those at this point, but there could be a natural kind of, tapering off Mm -hmm. but keeping those options opened when the time comes yeah I also think just to be transparent my mom and I have a bit of a different experience with high school because both of us Mm -hmm. went to boarding schools and naturally I think at boarding school you create Mm -hmm. much more deep relationships with people because you have this most the most like pivotal growing up period and you're living with these other people that are going through similar mm-hmm. things and also just come from different areas and it's like the dynamic of those relationships I think is so transformative like I totally respect and understand like feeling like you want to move on from people and I think that there can be a nat- natural like tapering off um if you just kind of you know put things off and stuff but I don't know, this is something that my mom and I were talking about the other day when discussing these, is that I'm something that I've really been thinking about lately is trying to be more blunt with how I address things because I think stringing somebody along, and whether it's a friendship, relationship, crush, whatever, is more harmful and hurtful in the end than just being like, hey, I don't know that I'm too interested in this or like yada yada in the moment, which we have a little bit of different views on, but... Um, I think that that can be really beneficial. So obviously, depending on the relationship and the type of relationship and the person and stuff, you can also just be like, you know, if if someone is being too pushy with wanting to hang out and stuff and you're not interested, I think there's 
nothing wrong with kind of just being honest about where you're at and, you know, that well, you don't have the energy for that. Because I, I think that that can be done in a way that's respectful and is less harmful than stringing someone along without totally cutting all ties off, if that's what you're going to say. Right. So the discussion we had the other day, though, you were saying... I just want to say to people, I think we're in different places in life okay. and I can't hang out with that you. Was, that was in response to like a very specific situation okay. though. I just, that wasn't like a high school friend thing I, who I'd been friends right. with. That was with somebody like... I just think it has... In this day and age where people are so blunt and hurtful towards other people, and I'm not saying you are, <laughs> I just think it has to be handled delicately because um, I do think that it could trigger something for people. No, and I, I definitely get that. I just mean... But I think there can be a natural way to say, hey, I'm really busy right now, sorry, and then just kind of slowly... Yeah. I just know that, like, I feel like I've been on both ends of that where it's super... I feel like I've been on both ends of that where it's super weird to continuously, like, put somebody off when they keep asking to hang out. But I also feel like I've been on the other side where I keep reaching out to somebody and they're not reciprocating and they keep putting me off. And it's like, both situations suck. Like, I don't want to be in either of those positions. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's almost, at least in my opinion, like what I would prefer is the honesty of just like, hey, um, I don't know, I'm busy right now, but like maybe I'll reach out in a couple months or like something like that where it gives you time and space and... Yeah, I think that you can either address it head on, you know, let things taper off or, I mean, I guess those are really the two options I was going with, but. (laughs) Yeah, I I just think it can be a real trigger for people. So just be careful how it's handled is all I'm saying. But. I get that. Yeah. Um, I hope that answers that question. (laughs) Um, So this again, is kind of in the same vein. Mm -hmm. This question is, how do you handle a friend that you've known for a really long time, but you don't feel like the friendship is working on your end anymore? Should you talk to them about it or slowly just try to stop hanging out slash talking to them? So when you say, I guess we won't know this, but when you say it's just not working for you anymore, Mm -hmm. does it feel very one-sided? Does it feel like the person's unkind to you, taking advantage those are things that maybe you can try to work on. Mm-hmm. I am not, I, I don't think that you should keep people in your life that are not good for you, mm-hmm. right? Where the relationship isn't balanced, that you're not the one just giving, 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 and nobody's giving back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, in that case, that may be a conversation mm-hmm. and just say, sorry, this is one sided. I don't yeah. think this works for me anymore. Yeah. Um, I also, like along with that think that communication is always going to be better than ignoring something Mm -hmm. and putting something off and especially with someone who you've been friends with for a really long time unless it's like dangerous or traumatic for you to like address it I think that it's worth asking about because even if it isn't to pursue your friendship I think it's good for people to recognize when they're not being a good friend because Mm -hmm. in a friendship it takes two people as with any sort of relationship and you know it can be really exhausting to be in a one-sided friendship where you know you're consistently being hurt by that person because you're putting in so much more effort and so I think it is worth acknowledging with someone that they 
that that's the way that you feel. Um, and, and it may give them the opportunity to try and change. Yeah. You know? But any relationship, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, is going to have peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. right? And so you're going to have times where it's just not really working for you, but then other times it's the best relationship mm-hmm. you've had. And But I do think that in those valleys that you can address it and be like, hey, mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever is going on, like I, you know, I recognize what you're going through or that this might be a hard time depending on the situation, if there is anything, and being like, you know, I want to be able to be there for you, but I also really don't feel heard on my end, right. and that's making this hard, and, you know, I would love... And if it's you know, a toxic, right? And if it's a toxic relationship where it's just not ever going to be healthy for you, absolutely, yeah, get for out for sure. And by getting out, you can either. I think it's up to your personal approach of knowing that person and knowing how they're going to react to things. Because if you think it's healthier and safer to just kind of let it fizzle off. And you feel like you're able to do that in a way that's not going to string you along for like months on end, then go for that. But also if you feel that you need like a solid clarification of like, I don't think Mm -hmm. this is working anymore, then I say totally go for that upfront communication and like addressing that. Mm -hmm. And stand up for what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Okay. Um, Are we ready to move on to the next topic? Mm -hmm. All right. So, the next topic is adult life. Whoa. Um, Mm. Let me see where this one is. So, this one, okay. So, the first question under here is, I'm struggling to maintain my adult sense of identity while I'm sheltering with my parents after five years of living on my own. How can I feel like myself and not become infantilized by this bizarre circumstance where many of my responsibilities have been nullified? It's a really good topic. Yeah. Question. Very applicable, too. Very applicable. I can't speak. (laughs) (laughs) Applicable. Um, Yes, it's very hard to uh, not fall back into the roles of, for your parents also, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard for them, too. They've had an empty nest, and all of a sudden now they have kids back home. Um, And you're always going to be kids. Mm -hmm. So they're always going to want to take care of you and tell you what to do. Yeah. And make you clean the kitchen (laughs) and clean your room and things like that but all I can say is also in this time try to enjoy it Mm -hmm. try to savor that time that you have with your family yeah at the same time you know showing them that you are an adult and Mm -hmm. that you can handle more responsibility and you can help without being asked Mm -hmm. and and that you also have your own things that you have to do and like right. respecting those boundaries, I think, as well. Right. And making and having discussions. <clears throat> Knowledge is power, right? Mm-hmm. And they won't know exactly what yeah. you need if you don't say it. Yeah. Um, but it's it is an unusual time for lots of people. Yeah. I mean, even I feel like for me, I'm just turned twenty and you know, I'm not that old. I haven't been living on my own for five years, but I have not been permanently living at home for actually five years now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, wow, that's kind of a long time. That's weird. Um, But so that's been a process for me in coming home and having to do online classes. And I haven't done homework in my home for five years. Like that was a whole adjustment because the last time I had to do homework at home was when I was 14 
and to try to do like college level work and the type of work that I'm doing from like my home I was like I don't know what desk to sit at I don't know what chair to sit in like I couldn't find my space that I felt like I could focus in and even little things like that I think can really kind of get in your head because you revert to old ways and you revert to like what you're used to doing in that space and so I think that I don't know that was just a side tangent about my experience with that but um on the child end of that (laughs) duo I think that a huge thing is creating the space that you want I think if you're going to be home for a while there's no point to not invest a little bit in making a space that you feel comfortable in and at home in and your current self I have always been someone who really loves my bedroom um I think it's a very like special place for me and I feel like it reflects like who I am and it's a great space of like safety and creativity and as it's a place that I spend a lot of time and coming home I didn't feel as myself in my room as I have been known to in the past and I you know redid the decor that was on my walls and rearranged things a little bit and made it feel a little bit more lived in and a little bit more my current 2019 whatever year old self and I feel like that even has been an impact so it's like if you're coming home to your childhood bedroom that still looks like your childhood bedroom it's like that in itself can be like weird and I think if you have the time and money and energy and like ability to make a few changes even if it's just like moving something around that that can be like a huge thing so that you have your space that feels like your space and that you feel like you can do whatever you want and your own things in that space I don't know I'm a big and, space as, person. and as the parent I think when your kids when you're parenting you you have that parent-child relationship but when your kids become adults you can become friends mm-hmm. and you can have those friendships and discussions as adults and Mm -hmm. try to have that with your parents at this point um because they can become your best friends Mm -hmm. yeah and I think putting an effort I think we've had to do this with any kind of relationship right now but putting an effort to plan things that you wouldn't normally plan like Mm -hmm. finding a show to watch together or doing like wine in a puzzle or Mm -hmm. having like a cocktail night or cooking a recipe together and things like that that feel you know whether it's more mature or just more planned or whatever it does for you and whatever it is that does that for you I think can be really beneficial to having a specific routine or event to like look forward to Mm -hmm. that isn't reflective of when you were like a child you know and finding those things that you can do with your parent as a friend or just as this like revamped you know mm-hmm. child parent relationship if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah then on on the same topic of adult things mm-hmm. the this question is I want to be as honest as I can with my parents about my life, but I'm still dependent on them financially and really don't want to negatively impact our relationship. It ranges from having a tattoo they don't know about and would be really disappointed in, uh, and I would be basically like, I would be disappointed in them being dismissive about my sexuality and mental health issues, and I really feel nervous about how our relationship would be affected if I was 100% honest with them. We had a couple conversations about this question prior to recording this, 
because I think this is loaded and also there is a lot that we don't actually know about the situation in this question so again take this with a grain of salt because this is truly just opinion based off of the fairly limited information that we know about your family right so i don't without knowing that i don't want to put you in a situation that might be risky you know or have you disowned by your family um or you really disappointed right or yeah compromising your support that you get from them I really believe that you should always be honest with people but you also have to really weigh out your situation mm-hmm. and but also give your parents the benefit of the doubt that you're their child and they're going to love you no matter what and that well well I think if, I mean again if, we don't know your parents like there's plenty of parents that do have really negative mm-hmm. reactions to choices that they don't agree with so I think that's really important to keep in mind and I will say that you know my child (laughs) the speaker got a tattoo without telling me and then dropped a bomb on me and I have to say I was a little disappointed but it's also disappointed I was very disappointed but only because I feel like at 20 years old well you just turned 20 that you're going to change so much and what you have on the middle of your arm may not be what you want when you're 50. Yeah. So, but you're also your own person and you have to make your own decisions. And I mean, to give you all context, I did, I have been Mm -hmm. very open with my mom. I, you were very sneaky about this though. Okay. I'm saying in general, (laughs) I've been pretty open with you, but we've had conversations about tattoos. I know where you stood on tattoos. I got, a tiny little tattoo on my ankle done very poorly. Um, not, it doesn't look that bad. It just was done like so incorrectly that I, you know, but anyways, and that didn't even go over well. And like, we've talked about it and I knew where she stood and, but she went ahead and did it anyway. (laughs) My body, my choice. I think that Mm -hmm. I have the authority to, dictate what I want on my body. I don't think that that's something that you can control. Just like I don't think you can control the kind of clothes that I wear. Like it's the way that I present myself. If I want to cut my hair, I cut my hair. Like, right, but those are all things that can be fixed. A tattoo can't be fixed. And yeah, that's, that was my only concern about it. It was your choice and but you I also did it. Think... So it's, it's what it is. <laughs> but I, my last thing about that is that I think parents often have a very protective point of view to things. Cause I know that it's like, you don't care about other people having tattoos. It's only on your own children because you're afraid of me regretting it and you're afraid that I'm going to be disappointed or upset later on in life. But in my opinion, I'm like, I feel confident in my choice. And obviously when you get a tattoo, you run the risk of not liking it later on. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's a part of getting a tattoo. You come to terms with that when you're getting it and you go into it knowing that that's a risk. And I'm like, I consider myself a responsible person. And I know my mom does as well. Like, I understand the ramifications of getting something permanent on my body. But I still feel really confident in it. And I think that that's something that's my choice. And if I make that mistake, well, I'll be damned. I make that mistake. And Mm -hmm. in 40 years, I'm like, God. I know. You know? And And you did. So, I mean, you did it. Oh, I thought you like I did regret it. I was like, no. No, No, but on that same... Note, what I would like to say to our person asking the question is that 
that's what your, your parents have a vision of what they think your life is going to be or how that maybe fits into their expectations. But that doesn't mean that hard news or things that aren't part of those expectations are going to make them love you any less, unless you have parents that would not handle your sexuality or your tattoo or those other things well. But I also think if you will still be safe, that it's worth being honest, because like, I also think that you have like an obligation to be true to yourself, maybe not an obligation, but there's like a respect of what it is to be true to yourself. And to have to hide that is so mentally draining and exhausting Mm -hmm. for so many people that if you don't have to hide it, even if there is a bit of a risk of like not having the exact reaction you want, I think that that can be freeing in itself. Um, And they may be disappointed initially, but that doesn't mean that after time and discussions and thinking about it, that they're not, Mm -hmm. they can't move past that. Yeah. Um, I agree. And But be careful. Yeah, I think it's, this is a hard question to answer because we don't know the other side of the story. We don't know the family that you're referring to. And again, safety is number one right here. Like if you are worried about your safety or like you know having any money after telling them something I don't think that you should tell them right away because obviously if your like physical being or mental health is going to be in a super high risk situation that that's something that should be put off a little bit longer which sucks it sucks to say because it's like you don't never want that to be the situation but if it is the situation that you can't get out of then I think you have to do what's best for your Mm -hmm. health and your being and weighing that factor like is your sexuality and your mental health and like this tattoo and like your lifestyle or whatever more important than being financially supported or like having support from your family and if that's something that is more important to you than having the support of your family then like do that because that's what you need to do but if you wouldn't be okay with your family to being disappointed or not Uh, like taking care of you then I think unfortunately you might have to put those things on the back burner for a little while which again sucks so that's that you have to be in that Mm -hmm. situation but I think it's weighing what is best for you um okay I think this question ties in a little bit with Mm -hmm. I think this question (laughs) I think this question ties in a little bit with being home and family and quarantine-ish. So this says, my little brother is 14 years old and is struggling in quarantine. Mm-hmm. He's doing online eighth grade, but he isn't doing his work and isn't being honest about how far behind he's gotten. He's just interested in almost everything. And when I try to suggest things, I think it would be fun. He'd rather just play Xbox alone. I'm trying hard to be supportive when he can sometimes be outright mean or lash out from us, checking in on him, encourage him to do his work. Thanks for doing this. I've loved your content. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, boy, can I answer this question? Because uh-huh. We've got it's one of a, these. Yeah, well, it's just a daily yeah. um, I guess that's true, yeah. event here. Um, with? Not, no, with my employment. Okay, so, oh, I just wanted you to clarify. Right, I don't think so know that. <laughs> the way schools are kind of approaching it, and I'm assuming your brother's school is the same way, is we just want kids to do enough to keep their mind fresh, but doesn't mean that he has to do you know what he would do in a normal school day 
and we're trying to keep kids healthy mentally in this time. Um, so I would let his teacher try to get him to do his work, but and maybe if you need to reach out to that teacher to express that he isn't doing that work. I think right. that's also a possibility. Right. But just, he also is at a point where he has to take ownership of it. And if he's not wanting to do his work, it's just going to cause more tension and he, he will withdraw more. I just wouldn't use that as a point of mm-hmm. contention, but he should not necessarily play video games all day. Mm-hmm. So even if he gets out for a walk with you once a day and has a discussion face to face with you mm-hmm. or has coffee with you <clears throat> or, you know, something where you're having some, some one-on-one time, that that's what I would make my goal. Mm-hmm. I also, I feel like I can relate to this because I have a sister who I don't have a lot in common with and that we, you know, we, we fight a decent amount, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously I love her, but we don't have like the easiest of relationships. And something that I've had to do is try, keyword try, <laughs> um, and let go of any control I feel like I have over her. And I can have, because I think my biggest issue with her is that I have expectations that she's never going to fulfill and it kind of sounds the same thing here is that you have these expectations for your brother but well but he's a 14 year old boy I mean I agree but I just think it's like you have expectations and you can't always hold on to those as if that's the only way for things to be okay I think if you try to work with them as who they are you know it's good to encourage them and check in on him but I also think that there's only so much that you can control because you know once you get to a certain age it's like people are typically resistant to being told what to do and I think that it's important as like a sibling who values that sibling relationship to try to work with who they are and figure out any kind of common ground of what you both like to do or what you're both Mm -hmm. able to be kind of excited about and 14 year old boy or girl are the main factor or the main drive in their life as their friends and even playing video games on xbox they are communicating with their friends um because they have the headsets and they yeah, you know I don't understand it <laughs> yeah so they they're talking to each other and that's what's driving him right now but but it is good to get him away from the screen a little bit yeah. Um, and school teachers will get him back on track, you know, no worries there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Siblings are hard to navigate, mm-hmm. I think, because. Especially 14 year old ones. Yeah, for real. Especially depending on your age. Like if there's a large age gap right there, like that could pose a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. But I also do think like middle school is such a difficult time because you're, I don't know kind of do lash out but and especially I do, eighth grade they didn't get to finish they didn't yeah. get their eighth grade graduation they didn't get that closure of yeah. and going on to high school and um how would you deal with because this person said i'm trying hard to be supportive when he can sometimes be outright mean or lash out from us checking in on him slash encouraging him yeah he's how hormonal you, <laughs> um but how would you navigate that i would just um Remind him how he should speak to you, you know, to say, okay, we're just checking, you know, Mm -hmm. we just, 
want to hang out with you um, and try not to engage when he's like that. Mm -hmm. Just kind of walk away because they they are processing so much at that age and they just don't they don't always have control over their emotions and they have to be reminded and taught but just keep reminding him Mm -hmm. and keep trying yeah I also I don't remember where I read or like heard this but I remember seeing something about how when you have a sibling or like a child that isn't doing something that you want them to do don't punish them for when they do it because like the example Mm -hmm. that was used was if you have a sibling or child that you want to like hang out with more and then they finally hang out like they come downstairs and you're like oh like look who finally is here or something like that don't call attention yeah don't call attention Mm -hmm. to it because then it's like then they feel kind of attacked and I Mm -hmm. totally understand that in my perspective um and you know I think it gives you less inclination to do those things and so don't make a huge deal out of it like I think you can positively encourage it but don't have those like backhanded things not saying that you do I obviously have no idea but you know try to be mindful about how you address when he actually does something that you want to do and instead of saying Mm -hmm. it in kind of a demeaning way you know like you can acknowledge like oh I'm really glad like I'm having a lot of fun that you're hanging out with us or like you know, I really appreciate you spending this time and I think you can acknowledge acknowledge it in a positive way, but to have that kind of backhanded way of Right, he'll see it as a sign of weakness if he hangs out with you. Yeah. Oh, I caved. I'm doing what they asked me to do. And I am the queen of stubbornness. Mm -hmm. And so I relate to that so much and I can tell you firsthand that that is exactly what happens. (laughs) He will outgrow it though, I promise. All right. Okay, this next question, we're taking a 180 here. So, um, all right, so this person said, okay, so mine is probably a very common question, but still slightly awkward. I've been on birth control, the pill, for almost two years now, and I'm just not loving the idea of all these hormones circulating in my body. I thought about a lower dose IUD, but I'm terrified of it causing damage, etc. I would love to stop birth control. However, my boyfriend and I don't really like condoms, and they do, do pose a higher risk of pregnancy. Okay, as a parent and as a woman, I would say do not stop birth control, especially if you are in a long-term relationship where you're having regular sexual activity. With someone who has the ability to, like, get you pregnant. Right. So I would definitely recommend talking to your doctor about other options. Um, Now, not to get too personal, but both my daughters have IUDs. Yeah. And I mean, I'll talk about that. Yeah, they um, have been fine, right? I've had genuinely like nothing but a positive experience with the IUD that I have. I have the Kylina and I uh, like genuinely always recommend it. I think it's such a great thing because it's... You don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it for five whole years and it's already much lower in hormones than any kind of pill that you're going to take. Um, obviously, it has more than like a copper IUD, but um, I liked it more in the beginning because I did regularly get my period, but in the last like six months, that has not been regular, which I don't love, but that's also pretty common with an IUD, and if you're not picky about that, which if you're on the pill, you probably are kind of used to, then I think is 
fine, but I genuinely really enjoy it. I don't, I really haven't had any side effects to it other than like not, like bleeding versus not bleeding. That's the only thing that has changed. And I never was on the pill, so I don't know that, but yeah. My older daughter was on the pill and it did not do, she did not do well on that. It was terrible. Um, So this has definitely been a better option. But I would definitely talk to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many options out there that yeah. I don't even know about. You can also um, try. I definitely, again, would talk to a doctor about this. But, like, I've seen quite a few people doing, like, a temperature track and stuff like that. And I think if you are really on top of it and responsible, that can be a really that positive thing. very risky. I, I would not recommend that. Okay, but I'm just So saying, much can go wrong. I'm just saying, I think that if you talk with somebody and figure out a plan, that that could be something to look into if you're really struggling with everything else. Don't listen to her. <laughs> um, I've <laughs> seen people who have had a lot of success with that, so that's cool. Really? I have. Hmm. Um, anyways, that's my two cents. But I agree. I don't love the idea of a lot of hormones, and so I never went on the pill or anything. Um, but as for the fear of an IUD causing damage... I'm not sure exactly what kind of damage you're referring to. I know that there are some, like, kind of horror stories, but then again, I feel like that's with any kind of birth control. I think that was from a long time ago, too. They've come so far. Yeah. They're not... And, I mean, like, it hurts getting it, but, like, I've had no problems with pain afterwards. But definitely talk to your doctor. Yeah. What? You want to move on from this question? All right. Another heavier topic and I think the last one that we are going to talk about is um something about sexual assault so here's my content warning about assault coming up so the question is after having non-consensual a non-consensual sexual incident happen how do you get back to normal with how you see intimacy and not get uncomfortable slash anxious around the thought of intimacy in the future will I ever be normal again or always be uncomfortable um, unfortunately, this is a common thing, um, that so many people have to deal with and it's really unfortunate, but I do think it's a trauma and anytime somebody violates you, you have to, um, feel that trauma and understand that it's not about you. It's about violence. It's about taking advantage of somebody. It's about making you feel weak and you have to feel some power behind you survived that. And when you're ready to feel intimate again, it needs to be with somebody you trust, who's going to take it slow, who you have complete transparency with. That Well, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting yeah. you there. But I do think you have no obligation to tell your trauma to anybody you know, I no, think, but if there's a trigger, absolutely. I agree. I think that you can set your triggers and stuff, but I don't think that you have to explain your trauma to mm-hmm. somebody in order for them to respect any boundaries you have. That's all. You can go on. I agree with that. So, yeah. Um, but I think it has to be a safe place and a safe space for you when the time comes and it's on your terms. And there's something very empowering about that too, mm-hmm. of knowing that you are choosing it. And, um, you know, I definitely think that if it's something that you are thinking about all the time and you're having trouble getting past it, that I would recommend seeing somebody to talk about it. Or even doing like a 
a group. Like, a group, I yeah. about it where you can find solidarity with other people because as unfortunate mm-hmm. as it is, it's so common and so many people have experienced mm-hmm. such a similar thing. And I think recognizing that you're not alone in that situation can bring a lot of positivity mm-hmm. and like healing. Yeah, and community mm-hmm. in it. But, um, but I do promise that you will be okay and you will get past it at some point when the time is right and when you feel less traumatized Mm -hmm. and something that we also talked about prior to this because we went through the questions um I think that it's also really empowering and beneficial to look at like your sex life with yourself like the most controlled sexual setting is with yourself and I think if you're struggling on the idea of violation and, you know, intimacy with another person, that you can, you have every power to not do that right now. You know, you can just look at your sex life with yourself and, like, figure out what is a trigger and figure out what makes you uncomfortable and what makes you feel violated and either work through those things or note that so that you can tell a partner to stay away from those things. And understanding your mindset around it is really beneficial but I also think that kind of rebuilding that trust and like sensation and understanding of like those experiences with yourself is really empowering and and the experience you had was not consensual yeah so when the time comes that you're ready to have a consensual intimate relationship Mm -hmm. with somebody I would think at that point you will be ready Mm -hmm. and you will build that trust again with somebody. Yeah. Um, And I think, but it has to be on your terms. And I think even recognizing your experience as like, not even a sexual experience. Like it's like, in my mind, sex is consensual. Sex should not be considered sex if it's not consensual because that's not what Mm -hmm. it is. And so I think trying to separate yourself from like, any crossover or like equality between future consensual experiences and this experience that you had can be really empowering to differentiating like the differences that was a weird way to phrase that but you know what I mean between these you know this past experience and these future experiences because you know you like if that if it's not consensual it's not sex in my mind Mm-hmm. personally um, um yeah but we're thinking of you i know that that was a low mood to end on but i think that that is the end of this podcast and i think we're going to wrap it up here but i'm very thankful for my mother for chatting about things with me of course. and I'm for providing her here. wisdom and um stay tuned for more and thank you for listening if you made it all the way here all right